97.5 The Fanatic. Now, Sixers in 60, 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5thefanatic.com. Yes, welcome in to Sixers in 60, weekly Sixers show on 97.5 The Fanatic. I'm Matt Murphy, our producer tonight, Tom Alvord, and I'm joined in studio by both of my co-hosts for the first time ever, Sixers team reporter Lauren Rosen and former Sixer Nick Stauskas. The gang is all here. Hello. What a thrill. It's, uh, it's good to be back. And uh, Lauren, thank you for finally joining us. Oh, my gosh. It's, we feel very... Um, Guys. We're, we're just grateful that you will grace us with, their, with your presence. Listen, for background, the Sixers have somehow managed to be on the road almost every Tuesday this year. We had such a fun time coming in here together at the beginning of the season. We've done some shows in the arena ahead of games. But there have been a lot of Tuesday travel days. It is an absolute thrill and an honor even to be here with both of you. Tonight's show includes a great interview between Lauren and Cameron Payne, one of the Sixers trade deadline acquisitions. That's coming up in the second segment. A full exclusive play-by-play of his trade this past Thursday that everyone has to hear. And past interviews from this show with Sixers players and coaches. We've had almost every assistant coach so far and Coach Nurse a couple of times on the 76ers Insiders podcast for this Sixers team that is 32 and 21 after a great win in Cleveland, which will be a topic of discussion tonight as well. One game remaining before the NBA trade deadline. It's the Miami Heat coming to Philadelphia to wrap up the pre All Star break, I should say, if I said trade deadline, but the All Star weekend coming up that will feature Tyrese Maxey. So there's plenty to talk about there as well. And as we get started here, we will bring in our. Fanatic basketball insider D. Lynham, who has been part of the coverage with myself in the G League for the last five plus seasons <laughs> with the Delaware Blue Coats. So, Ricky Council, the fourth, is bound to come up here, D. But before we go into that, as D. Lynham joins us on the Comcast Business Hotline, let's talk trade deadline for the 76ers and what were your overall impressions of, of what they did? Um, I think knowing that they were struggling in three-point shooting, that they went out and got two guys. Obviously, we know what Buddy Heald has been for, you know, his career and certainly over the last five years. Um, and then, you know, campaign. So uh, I thought that. And then to be able to get Lowry in the buyout. You know, he's not the guy that he was when he was at the height of his NBA career, but certainly a fiercely competitive guy, a winner wherever he's been, uh, and I love having those kind of guys in the locker room. And, Nick, what did you, as, as Dee gives her thoughts, what did you make of the deadline for the Sixers? I, I love the moves. The only thing for me, I, I as much as I hated going up against Pat Bev as a player in the league, I did feel like this team will miss him come playoff time. But with that said, piggybacking off of what Dee just mentioned about Lowry, I think – having someone like Lowry could make that difference in the playoffs when it comes to just defensive intensity, taking charges, leadership, experience. Those are all things that Lowry obviously brings to the table. Um, so I think that's going to be a great pickup for them. Uh, but otherwise, campaign, Buddy Heald, both fantastic players. 
Both bring a lot of three-point shooting and scoring to the team, uh, which obviously is needed right now with Joel being out. So looking forward to having these guys here. Right. I mean, the the buyout market aside until everything becomes official, whatever moves become official, with just healed and pain, I know I understand the point about Pat Bev, but it's kind of a two-for-one situation to have two more at least capable guards, not just shooting with these guys, but guys who can play make a little bit as well. We've already seen in the first few games with Buddy Heald and Cameron Payne. And D, the the three-point shooting is the first thing that everyone talks about with Buddy Heald, but he's racking up some assists as well in his first three games. So not only averaging the 22-plus points, but he's coming off an eight-assist game. How much do you think his shooting prowess, but also his playmaking ability is, is helping, will continue to help Tyrese Maxey? Uh, I mean, I think it's huge. Um, you know, look, these guys have been banged up. Uh, I think having DeAnthony Melton sidelined for as long as he has been, I was starting to get concerned. And Buddy Heald, for me, um, makes you less worried about that now, um, being able to play alongside Tyrese. So uh, I would agree with you. It's an upgrade for sure. Um, and right now, you know, you're just trying to, Stay afloat, stay in the middle of those standings until hopefully, and I'm going to stay hopeful until somebody tells me I can, you know, stay hopeful that Joel makes his, his way back to the court at some point. Playing without Joel Embiid, it's obviously going to look a little different. And Nick Stauskas, that has included some Buddy Heald pick and roll. It's not just Tyrese Maxey and Paul Reed. So has that stood out to you a little bit healed in the the pick and roll and Paul Reed is starting to pick it up as the starting center too. I think this opportunity is perfect for Buddy Heald because a lot of situations like the one he was in in Indiana, obviously with Halliburton there, he was really kind of cornered as just a three-point shooter, but he has the ability to do much more on the floor in terms of creating, putting the ball on the floor, getting to the basket as we've seen. And so in this opportunity now with the Sixers and Joel being out, he will be asked to do a lot more. And I think that's something he's been capable of for quite some time, just hasn't really had the opportunity on every team he's been on. Um, like we said, we, we know about the three-point shooting with him. He's one of the leaders over the last five years uh, in three-point makes. But you go back to his college days at Oklahoma, and this is a guy who was one of the top scorers in all of college basketball, and it was all one-on-one isos off the dribble. Like We're not talking about a guy who just catches and shoots. We're talking about, uh, talking about a guy who can create. And so we've seen more and more of that, especially last night against Cleveland. You see him kind of, like you said, pick-and-roll situations, one-on-one isos, and then also using his jump shot to his advantage and attacking closeouts and getting to the rim. And I think so far everything's been seamless for him. Like, he's fit right into this to this group. We're joined by Fanatic Basketball Insider D. Lynham on the Comcast Business Hotline. D. Nick just mentioned the Cleveland game. How about Paul Reed's block of Donovan Mitchell at the end? And how about just that win to snap that win overall to snap Cleveland's league-best nine-game winning streak. I think I saw a couple of people say on Twitter the Sixers should get two Ws for the way they pulled <laughs> that one out. Um, look, you knew that Cleveland was hot. Um, they're very well-balanced. Uh, they were making their push. Obviously, we see where momentum shifts like that. They're on their home court. And so for them to find a way to win that game uh, was really, really impressive. And to your point, 
I think some of these young guys, Paul Reed included, um, Ricky Council, the fourth, you know, they're they're making the most of opportunity with some of these other guys sidelined. So I think, you know, depth is a good thing in my book. And the more experience these guys get, I think you can only be a better team for it. Yeah, we, we call these Blue Coats games together. So speaking of Ricky Council, the fourth, it was really the Washington game on this trip was his coming out party, but also had some moments in the Cleveland game. What ha- have you seen that's translated from the G League to the NBA? Well, I mean, I think you and I both have talked about um, how he took it personally, that it, you know he guys went in front of him that were drafted and he was not. Uh, I think he's fiercely competitive. I love his game, too. Um, and I thought, like, when you see him play in the G League, he looks like an NBA player. And you're just waiting for your opportunity. Opportunity is knocking, and he's showing people that he belongs. Some clutch free throws in the game against the Cavs that we will touch on later in the show. But, D, as we, we wrap up this first segment, Tyrese Maxey is poised for his first NBA All-Star weekend. So, it's something that I'm interested in everyone's opinion on the winners at All-Star Weekend when we talk about the skills contest, the three-point contest. And it was a local player it was a local player in Mac McClung of the Blue Coats and Sixers who goes out last year and wins the dunk contest. And we had seen Mac all season long en route to the Blue Coats championship. So when you look at those competitions set for Indy, who do you like? I mean, the skills contest, the local or the favorite pick for among the fans would be the Tyrese Maxey crew. But how about the three-point contest and the dunk contest? So the three-point, I'm, I'm going to put Tyrese Halliburton. He's the hometown guy. I looked at the list, and without like somebody like a Steph Curry there, I don't think I'd go wrong in Halliburton. So Halliburton was there, and I can't go against Mac McClunk. He was so good last year. Um, his creativity was off the charts. And because he's a small guy, I think his dunks look impressive. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? To yes. Yes. So and- I'm not going against him. And I know Nick and I have talked. I'm probably crazy, but I'm going to put some money on Sabrina to oh. uh, take the middle one. The Sabrina versus Steph three-point contest. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's awesome. The bonus pick. And you've got Mac McClung defending in the dunk contest as well. D. Lynham, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. D. Lynham, our fanatic basketball insider. And Nick, hold your picks. We'll have Lauren's picks later on, my own. There's The dunk contest field is McClung, Jalen Brown, some serious star power in it this year, rookie Jaime Jaquez Jr. of the Heat, and Jacob Toppin, Obi's brother, who who's on a two-way contract with the New York Knicks. So we will talk about who we like in those on the other side of a break. We will also hear from new Sixer Cam Payne, who gives an exclusive play-by-play of his trade to the Sixers this past Thursday with Lauren Rosen. Rosen, excuse me. So all that still to come here on Sixers in 60 on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. 
Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. 97.5 The Fanatic. Welcome back to Sixers in 60. Tuesday nights on 97.5 The Fanatic. Weekly discussion about the Philadelphia 76ers. That would be weird if I said a different team on a show called Sixers in 60. I'm Matt Murphy along with Nick Stauskas and Lauren Rosen. We're about to hear from new Sixer Cam Payne who will join the show. And it's that name is fun to say because I sometimes write campaign as the NBA season and that is his name. So he's a 40% shooter on the campaign. The campaign campaign. And I did check with him ahead of the interview that you guys are about to hear. He does prefer Cam over Cameron. Okay, good. I gave him the opportunity to be Cameron Payne, but he wants to be a campaigner and I'm cool with that. That's great. That is actually good to know. I, I wrote it up as Cameron a bunch of times so far, but campaign talks a little about Tyrese Maxey. He also talks a lot about the logistics surrounding the trade from the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, that was cool. And obviously you guys are going to hear the interview shortly, so I don't want to spoil too much of it. But I asked him to sort of take us from point A, waking up in Milwaukee at his place in Milwaukee, to to point Z, which was sitting next to him courtside in Cleveland. Um, And he went A to Z, which was awesome. He talked about finding out. Um, when finding out turns into something official, when something official turns into getting on a plane. And my favorite part, the last part I'll summarize, was that he and Buddy Heald actually carpooled to Philly via private plane, but he took off from Milwaukee, stopped in Indiana to pick up his buddy, Buddy, and then the two of them took off and joined us in Philly. It was it was a whirlwind, and it was cool to hear about it sort of firsthand. Well, yeah, let's let's hear it from campaign, and then we'll get the NBA vet Nick Stauskas's experience with this type of situation but here is new sixer cam Payne. campaign joining us on sixers and 60 and 76ers insiders cam first of all i gotta know these last few days in your life can you sort of take us inside the progression of waking up in milwaukee to going to bed in philadelphia and playing in your first sixers game um it was it was it was it was pretty crazy uh that, that that first day, um, I was chilling in my crib. We had a shoot-around in Milwaukee, and I was getting ready to play against Minnesota. And, um, you know, the trade deadline ended at 2. It's about, like, 1.30. I get a call, and my agent, like, Philly, we going to Philly. Um, and it was like, wow. Like, 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 I was just in shock for probably a good, like, 30 minutes, just constantly on my phone. Like, has it dropped yet? Then I seen Pat. Pat Bell dropped the news, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. So it's, it's real. Uh, it's, it's me for him because at first I didn't know who 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 for, if anybody was coming with me. Uh, so I was just kind of shocked right there. And um, I kind of really just sat on my bed for like an hour. Um, and then uh, my agent was like, okay, uh, somebody from the six is about to call you. Uh, they said they about to send a plane to come get you. Uh, go and get ready. Be ready at 6 o'clock. And I was like, dang. Six o'clock, I just started scrambling, started finding random stuff to pack, uh, make sure I grab my video game and my headphones, though. Um, then we got on the plane, uh, went to Indiana to pick up Buddy. 
uh, new, newly acquired Buddy Hill, same with me. Uh, we on the plane just chatting it up like, uh, man, bro, we Sixers finally. Buddy was like, man, I can't believe uh, I finally got here. I've been trying to get to Philly for a minute. Uh, man, we kind of just chopped it up, uh, watched a couple games on the plane on the way. Uh, then got to Philly, and it was super late. Had to get some rest. Uh, my agent was telling me, hey, you playing tomorrow, and I ain't got that many guys. And I was like, what? Let's get it. So then I wake up to all these messages. Uh, Cam, take your physical. Cam, take your physical. And I'm like, Cam, take your physical, man. I'm trying to play tonight, too. Um, but then, but that next day, it was crazy. I had to wake up early, get a physical uh, so I can get cleared to play. Uh, we had to shoot around at like 4.30. Uh, got like five, five or six plays. Uh, man, got everybody name. I'm still messing up people's name. Uh, but then we had the game. I ain't had no shoes. It was it, it was it was kind of crazy. My shoes were late. They didn't make it. They probably just now getting to Philly. Uh, so I had to wear a brand new pair of shoes. I started for the first time. Uh, my first time getting 20 points. Uh, so in my in my in my meeting, I was like, man, shout out to Pat Bev, man, for getting his physical done. So I had to use that little reverse psychology. <laughs> so I had to shout out to him. Uh, but outside of that. It was it was pretty smooth. I've been traded before. This was probably I say the smoothest. Uh, I got traded when I was younger, and it was way more crazier. Uh, this time, a little bit older. I, I, I knew what was going on. I knew all the things I needed. Uh, so it was it was pretty smooth transition. Wish we would have won the game. It would have gave gave a little cherry on top. But uh, it was all good. Meeting the guys, got here safely, played a pretty solid game. Listen, if we learned anything from physical gate, it's that when a team loses a competitor, sometimes they gain another one. And both of y'all wanted to get out there sure, on the sure. court. Yeah, we were we were we were both eager to get out there. I could tell just by that tweet he made. Uh, so I was like, all right, let me make sure I bring it tonight uh, so I can make sure I hit him back with this. I was going to tweet him. And I was like, nah, let's wait till after the game, see how the game go. <laughs> Fair enough. Campaign, you said you picked up Buddy Heald in the plane. from. Mm -hmm. So we start in Milwaukee. We yeah. fly to Indiana. Then we fly to Philly. Yep. People don't really understand how this NBA life works. It moves so quickly uh -huh. when you land in Indiana to get Buddy. What are the first sort of things that you guys say to each other? Uh, oh, well, well, we, we kind of know each other. Uh, but but first, first thing, we was like, man, this is crazy, bro. I was like, bro, I just came from Milwaukee, bro. 40-minute flight came to pick you up. We on the real taxi service. <laughs> but it was pretty dope. That was my first time being a part of something like that, uh, get on the PJ, going somewhere, then going somewhere else to pick up a team. So, so that was pretty cool. I bet to tell people when I get a little bit older. And then here we are on your first road trip as a yeah. 76er, getting to know Tyrese Maxey, who's returned to the lineup. Mm -hmm. After your first game, you said that you thought you were quick, but then you watched Tyrese Maxey, and he is quick, quick. <laughs> What's it been like to be up close and personal with him now for a few days? Nah, it's, it's super cool. Um, from, from, from the outside, you know, you always hear, like, that man always smiling, always got good energy. Now that I'm up close, like, yeah, he got that. And, 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 and that's good to be around. Because uh, I'm pretty much the same. I love having a lot of fun. I like to keep it light, L-I-T-E. Uh, so everything is cool and fun. But, nah, he way faster than me. A lot of people call me Turbo. Like, that's my nickname because I play so fast. But him, he like Turbo Squared. He 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 goes so crazy. He too fast. Uh, but, nah, shout, shout out to him. Big time All-Star. Shout out to the All-Star, man. That's All-Star Maxi. <laughs> All-Star Maxi, indeed. So from one turbo to another turbo, we're grateful to have both of you here. Campaign, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you guys.
All right. Thanks again to campaign. Lauren Rosen, thank you. Matt Murphy, back with former Sixer Nick Stauskas. And a lot of that was trade talk with campaign coming from the Milwaukee Bucks on deadline day, something that you, Nick, are quite familiar with. And for those who don't know, what is it? The record? What is the record that you hold? I believe it's unofficial because I, I someone may have because someone told him this one time, so he believes that it's true. Well, when it happened in 2019, <laughs> I was told that I was tied with Luke Ridnour for most times traded at one trade deadline, and okay, so walk us through it. the I believe the number was four, and I so I got traded four times in. Uh, I believe like 55, 60 ish hours. So I went, I was in Portland. Wow. Got the, got the call. Well, not got, got word that I was headed to Cleveland. How did you get that word? Uh, after practice, we brought it in as a team, one, two, three family, whatever. And then I was going to my side basket to shoot my free throws. And the GM, uh, goes, Hey, um, do you have a second, Nick? I got to talk to you real quick. And this guy never talked to me. He just, I was never really that much of a priority. So I'm like, oh, something's up. Sends me to Cleveland. Um, so what you're saying is you said one, two, three family. And then someone informed you that you were no longer part of the family. They cut me on four. The, they cut yeah. on four. They cut me from the family and shipped me off to Cleveland. And this is post LeBron Cleveland. So it was not a good Cleveland situation. So we get, I get there and they had a game like the next day and they go uh don't dress tonight because you know we we might still be making moves and we're not really sure and i was like oh okay great so i sit there for the game this is days later right this is like the next day february 4th to february 7th had gone Uh, by between the cleveland trade and the next one well i believe i was technically on the Cavs for like two or three days yes And so I had a practice with them. But you sat on the bench. You sat watched. on the bench. In street clothes. Yes, in street clothes. And then um, I got word a couple of days later, I was in the hotel, got word the night before trade deadline that I was traded to the Houston Rockets. What hotel? You were in Cleveland staying in a hotel or you were on the road with the I was the in Cleveland okay. at a hotel. And then so I, I called my agent. I was like, oh, so I guess, okay, so I'm flying to Houston tomorrow. And he was like, well... No, not really, because I think Houston's making more moves. So just stay put. Tomorrow's trade deadline. We'll know more when you wake up. So I like go to sleep that night in Cleveland, a member of the Houston Rockets, and I wake up and checking. I'm like refreshing Woj's Twitter page every like 30 seconds because that's how I was finding. That's how I found out about the Rockets trade. It was through Woj. So I'm like, he's the fastest source. And so sure enough, I was actually taking a shower and my wife was in the hotel room like she was like laying down in bed and she goes, oh, no, it happened again. (laughs) And I was like, what? And she was like, we're going to Indiana. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, Woj Woj just said you got traded to Indiana. So I I run out the shower. I get my phone, call my agent. I was like, "Okay, so Indiana, like that's where we're going. And he was like. Uh, well, no, I think uh, he was I actually I think Indiana is going to waive you. So like technically you're just going to be a free agent. And so I was like, all right, well, like just can you someone please tell me what's going on here? Like I, I need some kind of like clarity as to like where I'm going to end up in all of this. And so I went that whole day pretty much just like a free agent in the middle of the season, which was very weird for me. And the next day, I can't even make this up. I'm still in Cleveland. And now I'm like getting You've been mad. on three teams, but you've been in Cleveland the whole time. 
but now I'm getting mad because I'm like, why am I here in Cleveland of all places? <laughs> like, can I go back to Toronto or like Philly or something? Where I feel we, like, like other have people have probably friends? said that while sitting in Cleveland before. But come anyway, on. Well, just saying. And I mean, it's yeah, it's not. And it was winter. It's cold. And so sure enough, I get a call from Kobe Altman, who is the general manager of uh-huh. the Cavs. And he go and I'm a free agent. He goes, hey, Nick. Um, he goes, where are you? And I was like, I'm at the hotel that you're paying for. Like, why? What's going on? He was like, well, like, you're a free agent now. And, like, when we traded you, it really wasn't anything personal. We just, like, had to get the draft oh picks gosh. or whatever. And he Bring was him like, back. He was like, do you, you know, would you be open to just, like, staying Extending here in Cleveland? Extending your stay? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That would probably be easiest that I just stay here. Like, I, I already have all my stuff here. It's just going to be much <laughs> smoother if we do that. So, you know ended up staying in Cleveland, but that was my trade deadline story, which was pretty wild. So the record holder for most times traded at one deadline, Nick Stauskas? I, I believe I believe so. Well, you share it, apparently, with Wade Baldwin, potentially, because well, he was in all these trades with you, Wade according to was, basketball Yes, reference. Wade was in all these trades. High school so, teammate of Carl Anthony Towns at St. Joe's Metuchen, Wade yeah. Baldwin. Was he in the hotel with you as well? Um, I, like... It was weird. I like just didn't end up seeing him that much. I don't <laughs> because he was where. also probably going through it yeah, while you he was were. Going yeah, through it. Mm-hmm. I also forgot to mention this part of it that my wife, when so she was my fiance at that time, we were engaged. When I was in Portland, she transferred from Delaware Law School to University of Oregon Law School to finish out her last year, and so she was left with the choice: stay in Portland by herself and finish out law school, or chalk up the whole school year and just come with me to Cleveland. She chalked it up and came with me to Cleveland. And it was, uh, it was definitely just like a very tough time, which a lot of fans maybe don't understand, like all the stuff behind the scenes of like these guys that have families and kids and their kids may be in school. There's so many other factors that go into it that a player might not always like seem happy at the very beginning when he gets traded because it's like, it, you're shocked and then you're all of a sudden putting your family in a tough position too. So um, hats off to like these teams though that are able to kind of coordinate it and like make the transition as smooth as possible. Um, but for Cam and Buddy, I feel like these are great, great situations for them in, in Philly here. Yeah, it's overwhelming. And I'm glad you said that because think about it even again, just let's put this in context of the Sixers with Cam and Buddy last week. They've played in three games as 76ers here sitting on Tuesday, the 13th. They've played in three games as Sixers. But today was the first time that they stepped foot in the practice facility, their own practice facility. That's amazing. And Cam was like, it's pretty nice. He was like, it's pretty nice in here. So if you think about it, Thursday is the trade deadline. Friday is the day that famously everybody's getting their physicals done on all sides of every trade, as you just heard campaign talking about. But they get those physicals done and go straight to the arena where the team plays and then departs immediately post-game for Washington, D.C. So at this point, these guys have been in like four cities in like 24 hours, right? Because you're bopping around from wherever you started. If you're uh, if you're campaign, you're making a stop in Indianapolis to pick up your buddy, buddy, and keep going on to Philadelphia. So they go through the whole day. They play in the game. They get on a plane. They go to D.C. They wake up. They play again to get on another plane to go to where were we just? Cleveland, famously, as was Nick Stauskas. Was Nick there? During, <laughs> Nick <laughs> like was still in the hotel five years later. But when you think about all of that moving, right, and those are just for the players who both 
have families. And obviously, I don't know what their situations are in terms of like dependence, but there are other people when someone who's important in your life gets thrown in this sort of washing machine, hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it, going city to city to city to city, and you no longer live wherever you lived 72 hours ago, it's a lot. And so credit to those guys, to bring it back to to where we started this conversation, for playing really well in these first few games after a whirlwind of a deadline. And, and hearing about your experience only further proves what a what a whirlwind these, these days can be. Matt Murphy, Nick Stauskas, and Lauren Rosen here on Sixers in 60. And Cleveland is a fitting city for this discussion because that's the Sixers most recent opponent that was the Sixers most recent opponent as they snapped the nine game winning streak the Cavs had won 17 of 18 they the Sixers did it without four starters in that game because Tobias Harris was scratched so an impressive win any way you look at it for the Sixers Buddy Heald was a big part of it and Lauren his warm-up routine has already caught our attention because he gets out there early and to the arena quite early. He sure does. And it's an interesting thing because he sort of had this reputation, right? Because we've seen Buddy Heald as an opponent over the years. If you've been in Philadelphia like we have for a few years, uh, famously wanting to get out on the court. And, and as people know, there's Flyers games that take place in the same building, sometimes concerts. Sometimes there is no court to get onto. But Buddy wants to try no matter what, which has really been cool to see. So for context, everybody goes over to the game a couple hours before. There's usually three. There's sort of like a heated arrival, right? Three different buses, bus one, bus two, bus three. But even bus one does not leave early enough for Buddy Heald, who likes to leave over an hour before bus one does to just get onto the court and get reps. It's one of the first things he said to us, Matt, on his first day in in Philadelphia, talking about wanting to get onto the court because the 15-minute little window that each player gets to warm up ahead of each game, he feels, is not enough. A, because he wants to feel super prepared for the game, but B, because he just loves being out there. And it was interesting to sort of tie a few themes together he said throughout the craziness of the trade deadline he was anxious all day and all he wanted to do was just get out onto the court to have that peace and so it's been cool to watch him do that now for a few games but the preparation that he puts in before every game I don't know how he doesn't get tired before obviously it's working for him I'm not questioning the strategy but he is out there sweating he is putting up shot after shot after shot I got to watch just part of it uh, ahead of the Sixers big win in Cleveland that we've been alluding to but he really puts the work in it's been awesome to see and, and and great to see how much he loves the game. One play that Sixers fans really are pointing out from the Sixers-Cavs game is a skip pass that Buddy had. Just the quick decisions he makes. He, he gave it to Council on the other side of the floor who missed a three. He like relocated to the corner, gets it back, falling away, hits a three. Like Adding that element to the offense where quick decision-making, but also his shooting prowess. I mean, here on February 13th, 2024 he's got 1855 threes he's 22nd all-time in NBA history a 40 percent mark but that play and anything else from the Cleveland game what did what did you see from Nick from the Sixers well I think for Buddy specifically uh what's impressed me is how seamlessly he's fit in in terms of chemistry and just making the right plays and right reads out there with these guys. A lot of people might not uh, fully realize how difficult it is to be picked up and dropped onto a new team in the middle of a season and not knowing maybe the plays and the style of play and just fitting in with the overall chemistry. It's difficult. It's something that I really struggled with, you know, being traded in the middle of the year. So for him to come in, and again, make those kinds of quick decisions and reads 
and find the right guy at the right time. That's what's impressed me most. And going off of what Lauren said as well, I think it, um, you know, someone like Buddy, who's you mentioned top 25 all time and three and three pointers made that doesn't happen by accident. And so hearing these stories about the preparation and the work ethic and the joy for the game, it's it's refreshing to hear that because I think a lot of these kids growing up need to understand that these guys that they see playing at such a high level, it doesn't happen by accident ever. It's always because of the preparation, because of the hard work, because of the love of the game. And so uh, I've always been a fan of Buddy Heald, but that was just a cool story to know that, you know, he's just that dedicated to go out there every night. And he has the added motivation of wanting to be a role model for kids in the Bahamas Mm -hmm. as well, which I'm sure plays a part in it. And I don't think he learned all of the the plays that Nick Nurse likes to run when he played for him in the Rising Stars game at All-Star Weekend a couple years back, whereas Campaign knew the plays by name because he played in Milwaukee for Adrian Griffin, who was Nick Nurse's lead assistant coach in Toronto. So he came in with more knowledge of what the Sixers like to run did Cameron Payne, but Oubre and Heald had 24 against Cleveland, nullifying Donovan Mitchell's 36. The Sixers hold on to win 123-121 for this fantastic 30-second win that we've been talking about. But it did get interesting down the stretch. I mean, They were up double digits after the Oubre three, and then Nick Nurse has been going to this intentional foul up by three, which I agree with. I don't. Do you also agree that if you can get it quick enough, but you got to make your free throws on the other side as well, which they missed one. But it's uh, the intentional foul when you're up three. It's it's really difficult because guys have gotten so good at sometimes trying to shoot it while you foul yeah. them and anticipating that. So if you can safely do it without that, I think it is the right move. I just think in today's NBA, there everyone's so smart, uh, so well scouted that it's becoming more difficult to do that. But yeah, the last minute, 30 seconds of the Cleveland game was absolutely wild and just crazy that it could go from 10 points to one point in the snap of a finger and uh, give credit to the Cavs for, you know, fighting and having that full court press and turning them over. Uh, But that one possession where they got all the offensive rebounds, the Cavs Mm -hmm. did. And, you know, three after three after three. And then finally Mitchell was the third one yeah. down. I, uh, I was it was tough to watch, but glad that the uh, the Sixers were able to pull it out. Shout out to B-Ball Paul for that incredible defensive play on the on the last possession. Um, hopefully many more of those to come. He was jumping with joy. I saw <laughs> Mo Bamba, yeah. his his backup at this point in the season, running over one of the first people to congratulate. Paul Reed at the end of that Cleveland game, and you hear it on these these airwaves all the time. Tom McGinnis, when when the Nick Nurse team, Nick Nurse led team, is intentionally fouling up by three. Tom is always in, in adamantly saying, "Get to him quick, get the foul before he even tries to to shoot the ball." So that's what they've been doing in these situations like Utah and Cleveland this year. Some of the the clutch play, Lauren was Ricky Council the fourth who took pride in those free throws that he made at the end of the game. They needed every single point in the two-point win. 
A really special trip overall for Ricky Council, who, of course, had his career high and first career double-double. 19 Washington, and 10. 19 and 10. Um, and then rose to the occasion again for the second time in as many games in Cleveland down the stretch. Two free throws. It was funny, after the game, Tyrese Maxey gave... Ricky Council, the fourth, a lot of credit for making both of his free throws because between the pair of them, there were four clutch free throw opportunities down the stretch. Ricky made both of his while Tyrese split his one and one. Um, But then cool, of course, to hear Ricky also talk about it because he's a confident guy. He's been working in order to get to that point of confidence. Um, But the way that he discussed his clutch free throws down the stretch in Cleveland, he said this is the moment I have been waiting for. Honestly, that's what I said to myself. A big shot to help us beat the number two team in the East. I wanted those so bad. Um, and cool to see him step to the line. He said that he was able to to execute similarly uh, in the tournament during his time in college. So he hadn't. He has been in a clutch free throw shooting opportunity before, uh, but he was gratified and, and cool always, of course, to see hard work pay off in that way. I'm going to take credit for reminding him about the March Madness performance. I love that for you. On... Take the credit. <laughs> Why not? Nothing to do with his free throws, but uh, at Summer League, he was on the 76ers Insiders podcast and he told me that he works on free throws all the time when he's tired and he either goes 9 for 10 or 10 for 10. In le- if he doesn't, he starts over. He went 10 for 11 in Arkansas's upset of number one seeded Kansas last March, 5 for 6 in the final 23 seconds of a tie game for Arkansas to beat the Kansas Jayhawks. And then they played the eventual champion UConn in the Sweet 16. So he's only that little removed from playing in big-time college games, and now he's doing it at the NBA level for the Sixers. I think he also, I mean, there's got to be some, I don't know if there's motivation when he's playing in the NBA, but he should have been in the G League All-Star game, which is at All-Star Weekend, the up-next game. Somehow was averaging 25 and didn't make that game, Ricky Council, the fourth. But that leads us nicely into Tyrese Maxey's first all-Star Weekend in Indianapolis, where he will take part in the Skills Challenge. So let's talk about these competitions. We'll get to the three-point contest and the dunk contest, but there are three teams for the Skills, and it's a team full of three top picks, Anthony Edwards, Paolo Bancaro, and Victor Wembanyama. Team Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. And Team All-Stars, Trey Young, Scotty Barnes, and the Sixers' own Tyrese Maxey. Let's get Lauren's pick out of the way early for this one. He said, let's get it out of the way early because we all know who Lauren's going to pick on this one. And if you've ever listened to me over the last three-plus seasons at least, you know that I'm going to go. I can't go against young Tyrese Maxey, who will be appearing in his first All-Star game the night after, of course. But I love the Tyrese Maxey-Scotty Barnes redemption arc because if you were watching... Tyrese's rising stars performance, uh, you would know that he and Scotty Barnes really struggled in a similar skills challenge. And, and Scotty took to Instagram after his team was announced to say that they're going to need Trey Young's help on all the floaters because they struggled from point blank range in that one. If you, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, take some time to Google Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, rising stars. It was hilarious. The two of them were so delightful and just so bad. And they have become, respectively, all-stars, earned a ton of respect in this league. I love the redemption arc. I'm going Tyrese, Scotty, and Trey in the skills challenge. Worth noting that Tyrese Max is the only true all-star on that team because Barnes and Trey That's Young were good. I'm replacement, not replacement all-stars for the mm-hmm. East for Embiid and Julius Randle. I'm going to make a Nick Stauskas prediction here for his pick 
because he watches so much TJ McConnell Pacers that he's he may select team Pacers here. The reason why I'm actually not going with because TJ is not on the team. Oh, well, one because TJ is not on the team. But then I also feel like, and this is nothing against uh, Miles Turner. I just don't think that Miles Turner is going to do as well in that setting of a skills challenge. My pick is team top picks. Like I just think Boncaro, Edwards, Wembenyama. I think that's gonna. I think that group. They're young. They're hungry. They're gonna want to show out. I think that's the group that's going to win. But I'm also kind of hoping for a maxi win as well. So, Just not team Pacers. Forget about team Pacers. I, I think team top picks is going to win as well. And I think Wembenyama in the skills challenge is going to win social media. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it, they specifically made that team to win. I think the NBA would like that as well, maybe. I'm just going to throw that <laughs> up They're rigging the skills challenge. They're just stacking the deck in their favor. Uh, I don't know. Might be wrong on that. All right. Final couple minutes here. Matt Murphy, Nick Stauskas, Lauren Rosen on Sixers and 60. The three-point contest. The field, and then our picks. Malik Beasley, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Lowry Markkinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Trey Young. Who you got? My clear winner is going to be damian lillard repeat uh i just think it would be a repeat i just think that damian lillard is other than steph curry the best shooter in the nba and he doesn't get enough credit for it because steph has set the standard at a certain level um but i also think donovan mitchell and jalen brunson have a chance those are my runner-ups lauren I got to go the same the same as Nick Stauskas, which makes for bad programming, oh, but yeah. we didn't consult. I looked at my watch, and I saw, yep, mm-hmm, Dame time. I'm going with Dame. I have a stat for my pick of his teammate, Malik Beasley hey. of the Milwaukee Bucks, who is 51% on corner threes this season on the second most attempts, 135. And I feel like it always comes down to the, the corner racks, and he's above 50% from the corner. And he's talked a lot about wanting to be – in the three-point contest. So but in got, a pressure situation, Dame's shooting numbers this year famously down quite a bit from three, hovering around 34%. But he has experience in these high-pressure moments. And Matt, where in the NBA is there more pressure than All-Star Saturday night? Maybe the dunk contest. No, the three-point contest is cool. But I was kidding, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, dunk contest, I'm going with the Mac McClung repeat narrowly over Jaime Jaquez Jr., who did beat current sixer K.J. Martin and current Atlanta Falcons receiver Drake London in a high school basketball dunk contest. But McClung, repeat? No. I don't think I don't think he has enough new dunks to to win it. So I'm gonna go He's Jaylen, got tons. I'm gonna go Jalen Brown only because I he was my teammate and I just think it's cool that an all star is finally agreeing True. to do it. Nick and I, again, we did not consult before oh, this when we made on. the same picks, but I I picked it for a different reason. You mentioned an all star participating in the dunk contest it's been a minute and in my opinion if I were Jalen Brown I wouldn't be the all-star to come back into the dunk contest if I didn't have some tricks in my bag and so I'm excited to see what he was imagining when he decided you know what yeah I am going to do the dunk contest we shall find out thank you both and thanks to D Lineham for joining us our fanatic basketball insider Billy Sports tonight with Connor Thomas is coming up next Sixers and 60 Tuesday nights at six on 97.5 The Fanatic. You can check out the 76ers Insiders podcast as well. Thanks to our producer, Tom Alvord. For Lauren Rosen and Nick Stauskas, I'm Matt Murphy. Thanks for listening. 
97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 97.5 The Fanatic. 